Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey everybody, I'm Giselle Mundell and you're listening to Sorry Partner. Hello and welcome to Sorry Partner, a weekly podcast about bridge, and all things interesting to Bridge players, brought to you by Bridge Partners and Friends, Catherine Harris and Jocelyn Starts. On today's program, we talk with Australian champion Giselle Mundell about passion, ambition and having fun. Plus, she shares her top tip for developing players. But first, let's kibitz. Hi, partner. Hi, Catherine. How are you? Catherine, I am absolutely great. How are you? Fine. What's new? <laughs> What's new? I was thinking about you the other day because I knew you'd appreciate this. I was sitting in bed next to my husband playing bridge, you know, on my laptop. <laughs> so, so so romantic. <laughs> <laughs> I know that scene very well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was so romantic. My husband was reading like a sensible person and I was playing an online tournament. I was just playing along. That's all fine. You know, this is a regular scene in our household. And um, I got to board number six halfway through this tournament and very cockily announced to my spouse, I just played a hand incredibly well. Which I actually did. It was a three no trump. It was plus one. Everyone else just made three no trump. I was so, I was very cocky about it. I got a hundred percent. And I knew the minute the words left my mouth that I had just cursed myself for the rest Uh of the tournament. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, okay. So the reality is I ended up doing okay. I ended up becoming like seventh out of 42. You know, it was fine. That's great. Yeah, no, it was good. Except that the next two boys, what have I got? A 14.6, then a 12. 12.5. You just cannot afford to say these things. You can't even afford to think them. It's as good as saying, give me a zero. (laughs) (laughs) 
it is such a humbling game for sure. Oh, it's like oh. just the minute you get to feel like good about yourself, wham, womp, <laughs> nope. Yep. yep. Nope. Yep. Nope. 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 So yeah, it was just, I, I, I don't know what it says about my level of experience that I was almost in real time able to understand that I was now going to have a terrible result. <laughs> <laughs> it probably says that you've played a lot of bridge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I did play that one hand very well. <laughs> Even if I do say so myself. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have a lesson and I'll have an insight in the lesson and I'll think, yeah, I really understand that now. I feel like I've internalized something and that my development as a player has inched forward a fraction. And then we might finish a lesson and then I'll think, oh, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about my game. I might just get online and play a couple of hands online. <laughs> and almost as soon as I do, it's like, eh, no, zeros, you know, just <laughs> terrible. It, it, it's, it's almost without fail that the minute I feel good about a hand, I'm going to be taught a lesson. Indeed. Yeah. Very familiar with that. Yeah. Well, you know, Jocelyn, if I'm trying to be very Zen about this, maybe I can see the humbling nature of the game as some kind of gift. Hmm. 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 A gift. Keeps yes. you balanced, keeps keeps your feet on the ground, keeps you understanding that that, that life has its ups and downs. No? Mm, no. I don't <laughs> I am not a no. 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 It's torture. It's just pure torture. <laughs> okay. But I like I like the way you think. It's very uh, optimistic. Yes. Very zen. Very zen. Though I do recall one time I said something like that, and you said I didn't think you were a blessings type of person. <laughs> hmm. Well, I didn't. <laughs> no, I thought you were a hard-boiled cynic like me. <laughs> Yes, well, everyone knows. We're kidding. Jocelyn is not a hard-boiled cynic. That's <laughs> <laughs> for myself, I don't know. <laughs> so, Jocelyn, we have a couple of letters in the mailbag, two in particular about not paying as much attention as one could. Uh, Would you like me to read them to you? Please, yes. All right. This first letter is from Dina, and Dina says... Hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. First of all, love your podcast. Oh, that's so nice. <laughs> thanks, Dina. And she says, thanks for doing this. And then she says, I am webmaster for two bridge clubs as well as our unit and have posted links to Sorry Partner on all of them. Oh, oh Dina, that's wow. so nice. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Thank you for spreading the word. I hope people are able to discover the podcast that way. I know. I know. You know, look, if you happen to be a webmaster, we'd really appreciate it if you put us on, on your website. But the other thing is, Jocelyn, like I've had a couple of friends lately, bridge players who know me very well, who I realize weren't actually listening to the show on their phone. So I've, I explained to them how to do it. And now they are, they're following us. But listen, you know, if you've got friends who might be interested, we'd really appreciate it if you could maybe show them how to listen to the show. That'd be great. And that way they can listen when they're taking a walk or doing the dishes yeah. or in their car. It's super easy. And, you know, listen, if you're listening on the computer and you want to listen on your phone, get someone who knows how to do it to show you because it's super easy and it just gives you that flexibility to listen whenever you want. Yeah. But um, thanks, Tina. We really appreciate it. 
Anyway, Dina writes, you know how sharing one's misery can be therapeutic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy, do I ever. (laughs) Yes. I hope that by sharing this with you, it will make me feel better. So she says, in our virtual club game yesterday, I'm East and get this beautiful hand. South is dealer and in third seat, North opens one no trump and I overcall two clubs showing clubs and a major. My partner relays two diamonds and I bid two hearts. South now decided to bid two spades and my partner goes to three hearts. With my partner's support of hearts, I figure I'm good for four hearts after opener bids three spades. Well, sure enough, the no trump opener doubles. No issues, I was expecting it as I likely would have done the same thing. South then leads the spade jack and dummy comes down. I count my losers, only two. Great, got this contract cold. In fact, I might even have an overtrick. I plan my play and all is good. Then catastrophe happens. Oh no. My grown-up daughter comes into my office to give me an update on our very sick cat. Oh, sorry about your cat. (laughs) Oh no. Making my four hearts doubled is far more important right now. And then she says, the cat was okay, so don't worry. (laughs) She says, both my focus and my plan went out the window. The result was down three for a negative 500 and a big fat zero instead of a brilliant border plus 690. Then she says, so here's my advice for anyone who plays online bridge. Should there be anyone else in your home who is not playing bridge, barricade your door from the inside (laughs) and post a sign from the outside. And the sign says, playing bridge, disturb only in the event of tsunami, volcanic eruption, (laughs) asteroid impact, or similar catastrophe. And it's in red text and then highlighted in yellow. Dina, thank you for that letter so much. And I will post that image on our Instagram account. I love it. I can so relate. Love it. Love it. And we have another letter, which also relates to a loss of concentration. Mm. This letter is from Kathy. She says, hi, Catherine and Jocelyn. Congratulations on your terrific podcast devoted to all of us bridge fanatics. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you, Kathy. I'm here to tell you about an oh no bid that I made this week during a club game online. The hand where you make a bid and you immediately know that it's wrong and dread the final contract. Oh, I can feel it. She says, my partner, a saint, and I were on our last hand and I noticed in another window on my computer that an important email had come in. Bad me, I took my eyes off the game to inspect it and regaining attention saw that it was my bid after one diamond. Thinking that my partner had bid one diamond, I bid one no trump. I immediately realized that it was my right-hand opponent that had bid the one diamond, and my bid was a one no trump overcall. Ah! Ooh, 15 to 18 instead of (laughs) 6 to 9. There's a bit of a difference there. Just a little difference. Two thoughts raced through my tired brain. One, how to minimize the damage because, of course, they were vulnerable. And two, I should probably tell the director. I started a chat with the director, who I know, and explain that I had made a mistaken bid that was probably going to affect the opponent's bidding. His response was, tough, mistakes play. The bidding proceeds with left-hand opponent bidding two spades. Partner passed, right-hand opponent bidding three diamonds, pass, pass, partner doubles, pass. The bid is to me. I have 11 high card points with two aces and a king, but no major, 
and five clubs headed by the king. Partner wants us to play somewhere. So I decide to go to four clubs and, by some miracle, we're not doubled. Did I mention that we're vulnerable? (laughs) (laughs) A few times. Mm. (laughs) At least I'm playing it. I'm already thinking of all the ways I can say sorry, partner, after the play. (laughs) I go down four for minus 400. I ping the director and say, it was really ugly. He chats back, I'm rooting for you to have a high board. Lol, they should be in three no trump. Oh, yeah. my God. We weren't the highest board, but close. And then she says, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good because most were in three no trump making plus one. Not only did I say sorry, partner, a zillion times, but I promise not to have any extra windows open on my display in the future. New lesson learned. We came in second, so she didn't divorce me. <laughs> Thanks again for your fun podcast, Kathy. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. You know, we've heard quite a few of these sorts of um, mishaps that end up accruing to the benefit of the player who completely <laughs> screwed up. Yeah. And so th- what what is one to make of this? I mean, I guess there are <laughs> many times when you get unlucky. And so why not get lucky every once in a while? Absolutely. Also. To the victor spoils, maybe the other people just aren't writing in. (laughs) I screwed up and it really cost us. (laughs) So if you have a fun story about something going haywire at the table and yet everything miraculously coming together for a spectacular finish... We'd love to hear about it. Or if there's a story about complete loss of concentration at the bridge table and the consequences thereof, again, love to hear it. So uh, you can write to us at sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram, or you can leave us a voice message. And all these links are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. Coming up next, our interview with Giselle Mundell. Australian champion Giselle Mundell started playing bridge when she was 21. But with such famous bridge playing relatives as Canadian champion Mary Paul and Austrian superstar Rixie Marcus, the game was in her DNA. She has represented Australia nationally and abroad including at the 2019 Asia-Pacific Congress, the 2019 Bridge World Championships in Wuhan, China, and at the Bridge World Championships in Salsa Maggiore, Italy. We began by asking her if she'd had any good boards lately. So my favorite hand is one where you can anticipate a plus 1400, which happened (laughs) a few weeks ago. Right-hand opponent opens a week two, and you are sitting there with Ace, King, Queen, Jack to five in their suit. And you're praying that partner double. And when partner does double, that's so sweet. <laughs> that was my favorite hand recently. I think we got plus 1400 on the first board in, in the game. And that's always a nice way to start a match. Oh, gosh, yes. That must have been some ragged week two bid. <laughs> Absolutely. It was a bid that nobody else made. so we were quite happy that it was made at our table that's where luck really comes into play doesn't it definitely and and I do believe that there's a lot of luck in that way not 
in how you play a hand or how you bid a hand, but those sort of opportunities are from luck. Do you believe that you make your own luck? Like you have to be prepared and understand what's going on to be able to capitalise on the situation? Definitely. And I also believe to a certain extent that you play the people as well as the game. So if you have a bit of knowledge about some people that you're playing against, you may take more liberties. If you think that they're very, very good players, you may not double them or you may be more conservative. So I do believe that you do make your own luck. What is your earliest memory of bridge? Oh, wow. I was pretty young. I started playing bridge when I was 21 and I remember who I had lessons from and the teacher teamed me up with a girl who was the same age as me. And after we'd had, I don't know, three months of lessons, two months of lessons, he thrust us into the main room and we walked in. There there must have been probably about 30 tables and we sat at a table and we were just overcome with nerves and absolutely in up to our ears, you know, and I don't know how, how we survived that first night, but we did go back every Tuesday night it was for the next two, three years playing in that game. And I remember they used to hand out a lot of trophies and we got so many trophies for, you know, rookies. How is it that you came to be taking bridge lessons in the first place? Well, to be honest, it was because I was having difficulty getting pregnant and it was suggested that bridge would take your mind off the process. (laughs) That's the truth. Maybe that's too much information, but that is why. No, I think that's fascinating. And it worked? I had a feeling you were going to ask me that. (laughs) So I have three children and my first two children are adopted. And then my third child is biological. So it kind of didn't work, but then it kind of did work. It becomes a bit of an obsession to get pregnant. And of course, the more the obsession, the less the chance. And that's what happened. And bridge was like something that I I took it up and I thought, wow, this is just extraordinary. I'm going to read so much about it. And it took my mind off what I I was going through in a positive way. So it was an incredible diversion. Plus, you were so good right away, it sounds like. Well. You took to it. Look, I've had in inverted commas. I was a young girl. So the guys in the club all wanted to teach me, all wanted to play with me because they weren't there necessarily. Well, they were there to win, but they also liked being in the company of younger people, especially younger girls. And I learned so much from a lot of them who asked me, do you want to play with me? And I'd say, sure. So I played with Ish Del Monte for about six years. That was tough love. Sorry, Ish, but it was. And he taught me transfer responses over a club 
on a serviette. So mm-hmm. we were just about to walk in to a game and he goes, hey, by the way, this is what we're going to play tonight. So if I open a club and you, you've got four plus hearts, you have to bid a diamond. If you've got four plus spades, you've got a bit of heart. If you've got no major, you have to bid a spade. If you've got, yeah. And I said, hey, I, I can't remember. I, I, I can't remember that. I mean, I was nervous enough playing with him as it was, but here he was throwing this new system at me, right? So he said, look, I'm going to run it down. So we happened to be in a pub and he got a serviette and he wrote down, this is what we're playing, right? And I remember I kept that serviette for maybe a month or six weeks or whatever until I thought that I remembered it. Of course, I could have copied it onto a piece of paper, but I had the serviette in my wallet. Every time I walked into the room, I looked at the serviette and, you know, like, memorize the system. That's how I learned. So you had mentors. Yeah. I did play with professional people. So I played with somebody else before I played with Ish. And then I played with him for, I reckon I played with him for about six years. And I remember every little thing he told me. Every time I sit at a table, I go through. He used to say to me, when you're declarer and they're on lead, if they lead quickly, it's a singleton. If they don't lead quickly, it's not a singleton. <laughs> if they bid a suit and they don't lead it, they don't have king-queen, they don't have ace-king. They've got ace-queen or king-jack. I mean, all this sort of stuff, right? So that's ingrained in me. So when I wait for them to lead, I take note of how fast they lead, whether they don't lead their suit, whether they think about how long they think about what they're going to lead. And that's all from him. That's just training myself and him training me to think in that way. And that's what I still do to this day. Had you never heard of bridge before someone suggested that you try playing bridge? Well, no, because... I have two relatives. They are quite well known. One of them is probably more well known than the other. They have passed. One of them was on my dad's side and she was a Canadian international player called Mary Paul. And I remember her coming to Australia to visit my dad very early on. And I remember we walked into sort of an RSL club where they were playing bridge and she walked in and we had no idea why this happened, but people looked at her, stood up and started applauding. Wow. And we thought, what's going on? And she said, they must know me from bridge. I was only a little kid at that stage, but that was the first time that I'd sort of heard the word, I suppose. My other relative, and I'm not sure whether she's a great aunt or a third cousin, or I'm not exactly sure the connection, was Rixie Marcus. She's probably the most well-known female bridge player of all time. She's written heaps of books, and I've got a lot of them, and I got her autobiography as well. And I am just fascinated with her. 
she played with, I mean, she played with Omar Sharif. She played, I mean, she played with every Zia. She played with every famous person imaginable. She won umpteen international competitions and she was on the program that was showing in England. I can't remember the name of it, but I've actually YouTubed it. And it showed two tables and the different action which each player took. And she was a regular on that show. She lived in London. She moved from Poland to London. And she was instrumental in having bridge games between the lords or, 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 you know, people in politics and the normal bridge players, high-level bridge players. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So Bridge is in your blood. Pretty much. Pretty much. But I'm the only person in my, my immediate family that plays. Can I just go back to you saying about when you started taking the bridge lessons? You must have felt some connection with the game. And I want to get a feeling from you of how you felt, how you knew what it was when your brain lit up. Was it the first time you played when you took lessons? Did you feel like, oh, my God, this is it? Or was it like, did it take you a little while? What happened? Funny that you asked me that because... My sister-in-law said to me the other day, she wants to start taking bridge lessons. She said, do you remember that you and I went together to take bridge lessons when we did? And I actually did not remember that she came. And she said to me, they put you up a level and I stayed down in that level. And I said, really? She said, yep. She said, you got it. So it sounds like it was a, a perfect match. I must have got it pretty quickly. And I do pick up things pretty quickly. Mm. I don't know if it's mathematics related or strategy. I mean, what part of the brain works for bridge? I always had a good memory. I played the piano, for instance, since I was five years old. And I do believe that playing an instrument definitely stimulates your brain. In fact, to this day, before I go to a competition, if it's online, 
I play the piano for half an hour and that kind of warms my brain up. If I'm away, I find a piano in the hotel and I go down there early in the morning and I play. And I, I think that it's just brain cells being stimulated. Is there a particular composer that you particularly like to play before you play bridge? My favorite composer is Claude Debussy, and I play a lot of his pieces. But then again, I like Rachmaninoff, and I like Sibelius, and I like Chopin, and I particularly like Grieg. So I play everybody. Late romantic, though, is really an impressionistic. Yeah, interesting. Absolutely. Because I was expecting that you might say Mozart or Bach, which are so precise and Bach being so mathematical. And, no, no, no. Yeah. I only play slow pieces or dramatic pieces. So those are the pieces that I like to play. To this day, I still have piano lessons. So I have a piano lesson every week. And then once my teacher feels that it's enough, she doesn't want to hear it anymore. So then I go on YouTube and I put in beautiful, slow piano pieces and listen to half a dozen and choose one. And then I buy the sheet music and that's how we, we decide the next piece. <laughs> that's great. That's the process. There are things that I don't love about bridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> basically, I know a lot of people that I play with and against. They put this massive expectation on themselves. and. It's really true that you remember your mistakes more than you remember the good stuff. And it really makes me feel like terrible and I cannot sleep at night. Do you mean when you make a mistake? Yeah. I was in a, in a four-level, a four-state contract a few weeks ago. I was the only person not to make it in the whole field. Welcome to my world. <laughs> You know, there's always a good reason why you don't make it, right? All I had to do was finesse the Trump king. And I thought, stuff the Trump king. I don't care if I don't finesse it because I suspected a diamond rough was coming. And I didn't want to get the, the Trump king wrong and then the diamond rough. So I thought what I do is I play a Trump to the ace and Trump back, hopefully eliminate some trumps before the diamond rough came, except the trumps broke 4-1. So I went one off. On the play that I met, all I had to do was finesse the trump king. It was on, collect five more tricks. And I didn't. And I was the only person that went off. And I just hated myself. I just was so annoyed and so disappointed that's what I don't like about bridge. The expectations that you put on yourself. Definitely. The feeling of failure. And really, it is a feeling. We all know. We all know it. Very well. Very well. <laughs> and that's the part that really upsets me, you know? Do you have a favorite tournament that you like to play? I do. And it's in the Gold Coast in Australia, in Queensland. And in usual circumstances, the weather's really good. It's a chilled out tournament. It's fun. And that's why I like it the most. 
Can you tell us a little bit more about what you like about that tournament generally? So I wake up pretty early. I go for a run. I come back. I go for a swim. I have a shower, go and sit and have a coffee and a piece of toast somewhere and then head to bridge. I don't do that anywhere else. It's just conducive to doing that sort of thing. Even if it rains, it's warm. I can go for a walk afterwards. There's fairy lights everywhere. (laughs) I love fairy lights. There's just a good atmosphere. You know, it's just a good vibe. It's a good vibe. If we were to ask one of your regular partners about your greatest strengths in the game, what do you think they might say? (laughs) What do I think they would say? Or what do they, I think that I hope that they would say. (laughs) (laughs) All of the above. I think I'm not too bad at hand evaluation. So that's what I think. I hope that I'm not too bad at that. I think I can read the cards pretty well. This morning I played and twice I pinned the 10 doubleton with the king missing. Twice. I love doing that. So you're missing the king and the 10 to four and you've got 10 doubleton on your left and king third on your right and ace queen in your hand. You play low to the queen, go back to dummy and play the jack. Twice I did that. That's my favorite thing to do. I think the pips are very important. So when you're evaluating your hand, like uh, the conversation this morning actually came up, partner opened a no trump. You've got a flat nine count or a flat eight or nine count. Do you go to game? I said, well, I I would look at my pips. If I had lots of tens, nines and eights and jacks, as well as aces or kings or whatever, I would definitely go to game. If I had ace five, four, three, I would not go to game. So I think that I'm okay at that. I hope that um, my partners would think that. I don't think I'm an overbidder, but I do strive to go to game. And I'd rather be one off. I'd rather be minus 100 than minus 170, plus 170, when you can get plus 620. So I'd rather be minus 100. And they know that. They, they know that that's what I think. So I really hate not being in game when game's on. I mean, we all do, right? Right. So maybe, maybe that. Maybe they think I was a sensible bidder and a sensible declarer and a good defender. What would a regular partner say maybe is a weaker area of your game? Temperament. <laughs> oh, go on, please. We're interested to hear. Ah, uh, look, I'm much better than I used to be. I was a monster. The less I knew, the worse I was. <laughs> were you a monster to your partners or were you a monster to yourself? Both, yeah. Can you think of an illustrative example? Yeah, I could think of many. <laughs> many that you're prepared to share? <laughs> but you know what? <laughs> to me, that's a toxic part of the game. It's just toxic the way... Some people, I was playing yesterday online and the opposition, one woman passed the other one out and she said to her, oh, because the last hand you did this and this and that, so I, I don't trust you sort of thing. That's just so toxic. How have you tried to work with your temperament over time? Well, for starters, I do manage my own responses better. Maybe part of the reason is that earlier on 
I had ambitions to get into the Australian team, get into the New South Wales team, do all that sort of stuff, win certain competitions. I've done that. So maybe I'm calmer because I've achieved the ambitions that I've wanted to, and maybe it's a little less important because I've done it already. I've often thought about that. It's awesome to get in the team, but if I don't, it's not the end of the world. So I guess that also played a part on my own emotions because sort of being there, done that, but not in a, in a blasé way. And it's really nice that I've done it. It's, it's great. Does that mean that you are okay with people being a little hot when they have an ambition? Being a little hot, did you say? Yeah, I'm basically saying, is it okay for people to mind their manners less if they're actually, if they're in the middle of an ambitious phase in their bridge career? Theoretically, you should be pretty neutral at the table. We, we all know that. And when I see the opposition going at each other, I think it's really horrible. And when I think about some of the things that have happened with me and a partner, it makes me actually feel ill. I think we all go through, even at our level, these very tortured personal dynamics with partners and trying to, to walk the right line between being a good partner, but also asserting your own priorities. You know, so it's, it takes different forms at different levels of the game. But it's, it's always interesting to hear how people navigate through that. Definitely. What's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you when you were playing bridge? Ah, look, this is just a nice memory. It was in Wuhan and we weren't feeling overly comfortable there. And we were playing against USA too. And we played against, is it Janet Seamus Molson? Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Anyway, she loved to sing and I love to sing. I've been in choirs during my life. I love to sing. And we'd see each other. And I don't know if she would remember this, but I certainly did. And we'd break out in musical numbers, you know, and just sing. And it was great. And there was no inhibitions. We just let it rip. And we sang all these songs from all the musicals that she knew. And of course, I knew because I grew up on musicals. I love them. And that was so nice because it was such a pressured, important competition. And yet we just let go. So I would say that that would be a fun memory for me, that we just sang. It was just singing. Even when we didn't, we weren't playing against her. If we saw each other, we'd gravitate to one another and just sing, like just choose a song and sing it. You know, at lunchtime or as we were walking out, she'd start a song, I'd start a song, we'd join in with whoever started the song. That was fun. I like that. It was just letting go. It was just not being serious. You don't always have to be serious. Can you give us a couple of bars? Oh, you don't want, to, want me to get started. <laughs> I love singing. I mean, oh, n no. <laughs> But I love singing. Give me a microphone and I'm, boy, I'm there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Do you 
Do you have a favorite convention or gadget that you like to play? I do. I actually do. I was thinking about this, and it's one that Kate Karen McCallum taught us, and it comes up a lot, and it's this one. So a person on your right opens a club or a diamond, and you've got five, four in the majors. I actually don't like doubling because you, you overcall your five-card major and you can find your partner with three. If you double, your partner might have three in your five-card major and three in your four-card major, right? So Kate taught us to do this. They open a club. It's only over a club. And you bid two clubs. That shows five, four in the majors. You bid two diamonds. That shows five, five in the majors. You lose the two diamond weak overcall, but it doesn't matter. So partner now knows whether you're five, five or five, four in the majors. So it can go one club, two clubs, five, five, four. Partner bids two diamonds. What's your five card major? Two hearts, two spades. And you found a fit. That's my favorite convention. It's really simple. Does it have a name? No, not that I know of, not that I'm aware of, but it's really simple. Perfect. Such an easy gadget. It's great. And it comes up a lot. That's why I like it. Mm. I'm writing it down. It's really useful. Yeah. Are there any conventions or gadgets that you're not such a fan of or you think are maybe overrated or a waste of time? Look, I don't play anything that I don't like, although everybody I know hates Bergen. But you still play it. I do. I still play it. I think it's important to differentiate between whether you've got a three-card raise of partner's major or a four-card raise of partner's major. I think that's important. What about conventions that other people play that you think, what are you doing? Why? I think that a system like Polish Club is very complicated. So they take a lot of bids to get to a game that another pair might take three bids for. However, I do think that it is good for bidding slams and grand slams because it allows partner to know exactly your shape, your point count, and your voids and your singletons and shortages, et cetera. I actually think it's better for slams than it is for games. So good for this, bad for that sort of thing. And sometimes people forget what the bits mean or get confused or can't work out what to do over interference. So we try to interfere as much as possible when we play against that sort of system. Over a strong club? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not if they're really, really good. But a lot of players who aren't really, really good play it and then they get a bit confused. I also like, we call it twerb. I think you guys call it suction. So playing over a strong club, over a no trump, over two no trumps, over two clubs. Again, not against a good player, but against average-ish players. They don't know what to do. So you bid a suit you don't have. They don't know if you've got the one above or the two below. And it, it gets confusing. So I kind of like those disruptive bids. What's the best bridge advice or tip that you've ever been given? Oh, well, I can tell you, actually, count your trips. That would have to be the most important thing that you should do when dummy hits the table. And it's crazy how nobody does it. Very few people do it, including I try to do it, but 
I'll look at the dummy and I'll go, right, I mean, I, I can only lose three. And I see it quite quickly, but sometimes I play the cards too quickly. So that would have to be the best advice. Count your tricks. Because if you need 10 and you can only see nine or eight, you have to obviously work out where you can get the other two from. So yes, so that would definitely be the best tip. So don't play the minute dummy hits the table. Think about it. And when you're, you're defending, do the same. Sure, you have to lead. But once dummy hits the table, one thing that I think I am good at is counting all the hands. So as soon as dummy hits the table, I try to work out as closely as possible what everybody's got shape-wise. And how do you do that? Well, I can see three hands, right? So I can see my hand, I can see dummy, and I know what declarer's bid. So declarer's bid two suits, say. They've opened one suit and they've rebid another suit. And I pretty much know they've either got a 5-4-2-2 or a 5-5-2-1 or a 5-4-3-1. I mean, there's limits to what they can have. So you play a card, they rough the next one, and then it's clear. Then you know. So that's what I do. That's the best thing that I've done to train myself, to work out the shape of the hands as soon as possible. And do you have a methodology that you follow intuitively or instinctively now to make yourself do that or it just you just automatically do it? I just do it. I absolutely automatically do it. Yeah. Do you count the points first out of the 40 points and did you count the distribution of the 13? You do it all, not in any particular order. <laughs> yep, yep. And I don't find that difficult. I find that comes to me quite second nature now because I've been doing it for so long and I make an effort to do that. I, I started by really making an effort to do, it, do that and now it becomes much easier. And the most important thing is is the shape of all hands. So, yeah, that's why I love defence so much because I can work out so quickly what everybody's got. I find the defence much easier and th that's why that's my sort of favourite part of the game. Yeah, well, that, ma that makes sense. <laughs> Giselle, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been really wonderful having you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. And all the best to you both. And that's the show. Many thanks to our guest, Giselle Mundell. Sorry Partner is produced by Catherine Harris. Our theme music was composed by Jocelyn Starts and produced by Daniel Graboy. Thank you also to our friend, Larry Cohen. Send your bridge stories and comments to sorrypartnerpodcast at gmail.com or at sorrypartnerpodcast on Instagram or send us a voice message. And please consider supporting the show. These links and a link to our merch store are in the show notes and on the website, along with some other good stuff. We'd love to hear from you, but be nice or we'll call the director. Until next week, play well. May all your finesses be on side. And remember, as Giselle says, count your tricks. Thank you, partner. <laughs> Thank you, partner. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.